I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Dergish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Matt, well, tell us, tell our dear listeners about our third episode of Like Sands in the Hourglass. All right. Today we're looking at Peter Parker's Spider-Man Volume 2, Issue 22. I feel like this should have been our second episode which is entitled Days of Our Lives with writer Paul Jenkins, penciler Mark Buckenheim, inkers Dan Green and Rodney Ramos. How you split inking duties is uh, probably by pages, I assume. And then colorist uh, Joe Rosas. Yes, and I believe this was 2000, I think. Yeah, this is 2000. Mm-hmm. A hard 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of numbers, uh where you know how how do how do we how do we obtain a copy of how do we exchange numbers for this comic yes exactly all right uh well it's on comiXology for a couple bucks like a lot of older comics and you can buy a physical copy online for around three dollars variants around how nice you want your copy to be and this is also in a trade of Peter Parker's Spider-Man Volume 1, uh, which goes by the title A Day in the Life. You could find that online for around five bucks. You'd probably be lucky to find that one in the shop anymore. Probably be sold for a bit more, too. <laughs> I got it for three dollars in the shop. It's a, it's a good one, too. Uh, there's, it's pretty thick. All right, buddy. Yeah, you know how we like them thick comics. <laughs> Wow. All right. Also, you know, this is on Marvel's Unlimited, but not part of Comixology's Unlimited service, which only has one issue from this run randomly. Yeah, it's that, that that's always difficult for me to parse the the Comixology Unlimited versus like the Marvel Unlimited and the Comixology and like cuz like a lot of these comics that we say are on Marvel Unlimited are also available like to purchase digitally from Marvel, but yeah. Why? Like, if you're already paying for unlimited, why? why? It's it's not like they take them down um, from unlimited. Maybe they will someday, but then you can buy it. Then don't give them ideas. Don't give Disney ideas. I don't know, man. Anyway, all right. Okay, so let's fill in some gaps uh, between the last issue, which was 280 and or 281, and this one, which is. Oh gosh! So around technically like four fifty ish would be. So we're about like two hundred comics between last then and then, and about a decade's worth of time. Uh, so you know, last episode, like I said, uh, Sandman continues to work with Silver Sable and eventually the Avengers uh, all the way through the late eighties and up to uh, the end of the nineties where he kind of like unceremoniously undergoes a heel turn as part of the chapter one soft reboot, where the spider office attempts to kind of like clean up after the clone saga and rein Spider-Man back in toward his uh, roots. So he just one day you open up your, I think it was, I think it's actually issue two or maybe it's three. I'm disappointed Kane. You set yourself up for a DNA joke and nothing, nothing. Wait, what, what DNA joke? Coming away from the clone saga, they want to bring him back to his origin, his original DNA. Oh, see, I was trying to skirt around a Spider-Man rain DNA, uh, rain joke since I said rain. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So this this heel turn seemed because like there was no setup. It just he was evil one day. Um, 
the it, it didn't it wasn't popular clearly uh there was backlash so the next story that featured sandman was amazing spider-man slash peter parker spider-man 12 where he reforms the sinister six and then you have a backup in the end of spider-man of peter parker spider-man 12 that shows the wizard who he teamed up in that original heel turn issue the wizard capturing sandman and shooting him with like a i think they call it like an id machine and quote-unquote killing the William Blake persona, which was the heroic persona, and only leaving the villainous Flint Marco. So, so yes, yeah, so he brings back the Sinister Six with a surprise appearance by Venom as the final member. Uh, you know, as, as you come to expect, the Sinister Six is vanquished, and Venom blames Sandman for kind of getting humiliated and attacks him at it during amazing spider-man number seven no i'm sorry peter parker spider-man 16 and he bites him takes a huge chunk out of him sandman destabilizes because of that and kind of like slips away amazing spider-man 17 then showcases sandman running through new york melting blaming mysterio as like the puppet master behind all of these events and the reason you know the reason why he's falling apart spider-man saves him and leaves him at the feet of the cops and that feeds directly into uh what we have here in number 22 um i realized that was a lot but uh you were recounting about a decade's worth of continuity Right. And like, I, I know I focus on all the Sandman aspects of these, uh, of these stories. And, but a lot of this was like the B or even C plot of the issue, despite the fact that it's the cover story. Um, and so for like the sake of each episode, not having to recount you with like, what's go like, why is Arthur Stacy dressed up as an assassin trying to kill a Senator? Um, we decided to just go with, you know, we, we cover, we cover all that in summary. And then we come into this issue, which deals more with kind of the history of the character rather than repivoting Sandman as a villain and kind of, and, and that sort of thing. So here we are. We're it's following the dusty trail, not everything associated at the time. Exactly. Exactly. So here we are. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, 22. Wow. <laughs> so this one starts out uh, with Sandman reading his soap, or I'm sorry, watching his soap operas, watching his stories, which, uh, you know, gives the comic the title, uh, the you know, The Days of Our Lives, which we kind of ripped off. <laughs> but but it's also an easy title, you know, uh, like Sands of the Hour to Glass, So Are the Days of Our Lives, is the famous intro to the long-running soap opera, Days of Our Lives. Anyway, so Sandman is falling apart, he's melting, he he can't, he, he's dying. He's dying and he knows he's dying. Um, I do want to note at this point, because this changed during slots run where there's like this one granule of sand. That's like the consciousness that keeps everything together and allows Sandman to operate. Whereas at this point, um, the reason Sandman's falling apart is because Venom bit him, as you mentioned prior. 
And because he lost some of his mass and it wasn't with him, everything else was falling apart. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a throwaway line in the comic. So like Venom bites him and uh, Sandman says, what did you do to me? I can't lose my sand mass. It'll 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 fall or I'm sorry. Yeah, it'll it'll I will fall apart if I and uh, he kind of like slinks away into out of a building but i mean it's a little strange because I, I think i remember always like you know when spider-man would like punch him sam would fly everywhere but you know whatever um maybe there's some dead sand cells that would come off and it'd regrow i don't it doesn't make <laughs> you know it, it doesn't make a lot of sense but it, it you know whatever like it's it is what it is um and it's I, I can I can I can move on past it like it's not a deal breaker for me oh it's uh, not a big I, I think it's just important to say like this is how Sandman operated at this time and it is very different than how Sandman operates I guess in today's comics world as as an entity as a being because I think it actually plays to the idea that Sandman was more of this thugger brawl where you know if a mass of him gets taken out he's down and out Mm-hmm. whereas later he becomes so incredibly powerful the idea that even spider-man is dealing with him more or less alone i know there's like sable at the time and millions of dollars but the the scale that it takes to address him because he's that single sentient sand granule versus this idea puts it puts the thread in such a different place that i i think it colors the rest of the fight and how this all goes right so okay that's why i'm making a big deal (laughs) so after after kind of like the cold open um because you can have cold opens in comics um well the the title page shows up a few pages later but uh you know we 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 go back to this kind of goofy comedic scene of uh peter in his apartment because he's living with uh randy uh at this point kind of fresh out of the shower taking a look at uh what he's what he's got in the refrigerator he's got some bohemian rhapsody coming on he's uh, stealing his his roommate's ice cream which is man of all the things to steal ice cream is pretty villainous i would say like i, I don't know when the last time you ever had a roommate was but if if my roommate had stolen my ice cream i probably would have put all this stuff on the curb i you know they knew better when I had roommates. <laughs> but what's funny is in the comic, even Spider-Man addresses the Spider-Man. Peter Parker addresses this. And he's like, you know, there's a line between hero and villain. And I'm crossing it. Good thing I'm off the clock. Like, <laughs> it's such a weird moment for, you know, Peter Parker, who through and through is supposed to be such a good guy. But this is such a, like, kind of crappy roommate thing to do. It's an odd, odd moment that is followed by an otter moment you know the back half of this comic is pretty heavy so we gotta you know balance it out with a comedic scene of robbie and gloria grant coming up to the apartment as peter parker is singing bohemian rhapsody in his towel and right as the song hits that crescendo um it moves on to like the, the kind of the arena hair rock uh movement he bends over and the towel drops and unbeknownst to him, Randy and Gloria walk in as I'm assuming like he's just standing there 
bent over nude and screaming (laughs) and the two of them just kind of like slink away like you would in in any sort of situation like this i want to point out there's a reaction frame where robbie's like oh god trying to look away and gloria looks uh impressed (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've got the comic open right now and he's like well i wasn't expecting that and you're right he looks concerned gloria her, all she says is mm, as in two m's and yes uh the way that buckingham drew her i can only describe as uh elated um hungry <laughs> um which, I, I don't know, I guess at this point, uh, Robbie has seen Peter at least without a shirt on, but I, w- I would kind of question, like, did you see how jacked that guy was? And also, when was the last time you ever saw him go to a gym? <laughs> um, uh, you know, but anyway, so, you know, getting into, like, the nitpicky points at this point. Yeah, so so we finished, you know, the the, the funny beat, and then we move on to... What is quite possibly one of the saddest things I've ever read in a comic book, a Spider-Man comic book. So we've got like the last will and testament by William Baker, alias the Sandman, alias Flint Marco. And it's this poorly spelled last will and testimony that's written on like a legal pad that's actually just a letter to his mother about how he's always trying to be good, but he's he's never been able to to pull it off he said like you know i've been very sick i think i maybe am going to die i've been trying to get better but i don't think it's working he's trying so hard to be good and like he says like he doesn't he says like if his childhood cat's still alive like give him a pet for him and it's just it's superimposed over these scenes like it it, it looks horrific like he's he's melting and he's trying to eat cement in order to kind of like keep himself together but it just passes through him and like it's it's some pretty solid body horror if you know that's your bag but like it's 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 heart-wrenching because like i don't know like it, it seems so vulnerable to see like a guy who's kind of like as proud as Sandman's kind of like breaking down and writing a letter to his mother best he can and apologize like apologizing for just never being able to be the person he wanted to be and always you know reverting back to the person he felt like he was destined to be well and I wonder if the metaphor is almost too apt but this idea that he feels like he's falling apart, you know, in life, all mm-hmm. that. But he's also physically just falling apart right there is interesting. But it's also an interesting reaction because with the chapter one that came in, it was kind of a return to Sandman being a spider villain again. Mm. But unlike most spider villains, he didn't just have an arc. He went on. He was a ve- an Avenger for a short while, like... Even if he wasn't a villain, he was trying to do good, even if it wasn't almost an anti-hero way. And from what I can tell from what you've told me, the fans didn't react to it too well. So to have this, like, mortifying moment with him as he slips away is even maybe a little more powerful because it was contending with a lot of the history of the character that initially with this relaunch they were trying to glaze over. 
Right. And and that that's why I wanted to focus on this comic for like the the return to villainy than like the other ones where like, he might have like made his first villainous reappearance or 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 whatever Be, because it does focus more on the history. You know, we get that scene and Sandman kind of pivots and no longer blames Mysterio, which kind of tied into what Mackie was doing previously and now blames spider-man which fits more within you know the the comic book you know setup you know spider-man who is now complaining about a stomach ache from eating possibly bad ice cream uh, you know just getting that karmic balance um back back to even gets blindsided by a raging sandman who's just like falling apart and like when we say melting i mean it's the visuals I thought for this comic were super, super striking, and I, I loved the art on this. I thought I thought the 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 visual of Sandman just kind of falling apart is so creepy. But like at, at the same time, like especially during those those uh, the the scene with the, the narration of his um, last will and testimony, like it, it also looks sad. Like you can see like the the fear in him. I mean, what what did, what did you think about the art? There's a lot of good ideas in the art, and I feel like the falling apart was there, and a lot of the facial expressions, like, for the comedy bits were working. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the altercation between Sandman and Spider-Man, where it took on this um, almost cutesy, cartoonish look that just kind of killed the vibe for me, and just didn't register with the rest of the comic and what was going on in that moment which is weird because there were other panels that hit it in the way that fit what was going on so it really was a jarring bit that pulled me out yeah i can i can definitely see what you were talking about here with it looking a little cartoony i i'm pretty sure buckingham is continues to be the the artist for the rest of this run and if he is then i know that he has a tendency to draw like very soft features on spider-man especially like a very like rounded head and um you know the musculature is is also very very soft um so yeah it does end up looking a little bit more cartoony and as i'm as i'm flipping through some of the panels uh for sure so i i can see that but as i was reading it i was i was definitely focused more on sandman it's just such such a more like striking visual God, especially that final panel where he says, tell my mom I tried okay. And like, he's just like, his jaw is melting off. Like there are holes in him. Like sand is everywhere. Oh my God. It's, it's so unsettling. But at the same time, like it's so sad because like this whole time he's fighting, he's yelling at Spider-Man and talking about like, you know, how he thinks Spider-Man is you know probably like this this person under the mask that everyone loves and that and you know i'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit but like toward the end he just stops and kind of kind of he has that same defeat in him that we saw back in that two-in-one issue where all of a sudden he said like you know he i tried i tried to be in good a lot harder than you or anyone else ever gave me credit for I was going to do the right thing for one time in my life. My mom was going to be proud, but I couldn't. And he says a little bit more. And then he's like, tell my mom I tried, okay? And then basically, like, dissolves. Um, and it's just, it's such a, it's such a, 
like sad moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much where the the issue ends, more or less. We do get a, like well, a to be continued. Where, but that to be continued. Okay, so Sandman washes down the drain essentially. Yeah, into the sewer. And then they take us to this panel with these people coming up to some to a shoreline, saying, "I remember this kind of sand thing here before. Oh my gosh, they're just enjoying it like a day on the beach." And then the view pulls out. And you see Sandman's head looking at these people through the scale of them sitting on what would be a beachfront, but in a way that they wouldn't see it because it would be like it wouldn't make sense. But you're given that perspective and man, is that creepy? Yeah, like so so the, the scene pulls out and like the whole beach is Sandman's body and he's like staring down at them. But yeah, like it's it's we, we, we can only tell that just because of how how wide we pull out. Like there's no yeah. way they could tell. It w- hit me too when I thought about that moment for a second is that's the kind of horror that works in comics, like this stark contrast, sudden realization of scale or whatever. If mm-hmm. you were to do that in a movie, it'd be corny as hell. Yeah, because you'd just be, like, pulling out slowly and then, like, see his body there. There'd be, like, blinking eyes or something. No, it's the still image that makes it Mm -hmm. creepy. Because if you put any movement or, like, humanization on it, suddenly it's comical. Mm -hmm. But, okay, so um, let's talk a little bit more about, like, this, um, you know, how Spider-Man plays into this story a little bit since... You know, we're, we're back. We're back solidly into comics that feature Spider-Man heavily. Uh, this um, one issue a while ago. Um, yeah, well. yeah. So, Kate, does this feel like a Spider-Man story? Oh, um, you know, you know, like this definitely. Like this feels like a Spider-Man story of this era, um, where you know, you, you've kind of got like you know, we're back to kind of the the quasi bachelor Peter Parker. Um, you know, estranged well, from his wife. Yeah, this was the era where they were put really playing up that he was a widower. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. She would she already quote unquote died. She got better. Yeah, she got better. I was, no, I, I think she died. Either way, she was, was presumed dead. Peter refers to himself as a widower. Right. And so it's a big aspect of the comics here where it was this weird thing because they're trying to figure out how to get rid of Mary Jane again and not finally or not that they ever do finally but they wanted him to be a swinging bachelor but he's not a swinging bachelor he's a widower here and very big on that he's still wearing the ring it's a very odd moment for that aspect Mm -hmm. Um, but neither here nor there really for this story more that he's in the apartment swinging it up with robbie nudely singing bohemian you know because this is the uh sandman block i kind of wanted to talk about this relationship he has with uh with spider-man and that we we kind of see right here where where there's like envy envy involved and like you know clearly it's misplaced because you know the, the the dramatic irony is that he's saying that oh i bet you were like the 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 quarter the star quarterback you're married to a beautiful wife and you've got your 2.3 kids and your dog named buddy and you're like you're a millionaire and when like in actuality peter was bullied by the star quarterback like pretty ruthlessly he is estranged from his wife they lost their child and he's dirt poor to the point where he's eating 
you know, bad ice cream and naming the mold colonies on what little food he actually owns to himself. Right. No, it is such a crazy thing. What's crazy too about this is this is an era where here's effectively, I know it's a little more complicated, but here's a Spider-Man villain that has all this assumption about Spider-Man that's dead wrong. Cause all he's ever seen is a guy in a mask that's beating him one way or another, sucking him into a vacuum or, you know, washing him down the drain essentially here. Not that that's really beating him because Spider-Man doesn't want to beat him. He wants to help him. But like you said, there's that envy component and he's never really known Spider-Man. And it's interesting to remember that this is more of the relation Spider-Man has to most of his villains, you know, outside of like the green goblin and Dr. Octopus who have these crazy ties to his personal life. These guys don't know Spider-Man. It's, professional for lack of a better term (laughs) right and like yeah and it's you know the the typical spider-man you know thing happens where like you know he makes a joke and sandman calls him out on it like he's you know you think everything's a big joke but you don't see me laughing you shouldn't do that it's not nice you shouldn't laugh at people and that kind of like i guess gets to gets to pete because he kind of like drops the guard and says like i'm listening but uh you know just tell me what it is and then like in spider-man's like in a cloud of sand trying to like fight all this stuff off and then like this this deformed face of sandman kind of pops into the cloud and says you like you wouldn't understand and that's when he kind of goes into i tried to be a hero and it was really hard for me but it's so easy for you and you just you laugh at me you have this perfect life i'm sure because this comes so easy to you he conflates peter's heroicism with privilege he thinks that that peter has had an easy life, so it's easy for him to do good. Where Flint Marco has had a hard life, partially for you know his own his own problems and his own right. doing, but because he's had that hard life, it's hard for him to do good. And so he sees Spider Man laughing at him as like punching down, as like you know not only laughing at. The you know at you know Sandman as a villain, but laughing at Sandman's life and his struggles and you know his his insecurities. Well, and what's crazy about this moment is how you're going to read it is going to depend on a what Sandman history you're familiar with, and we've run through a lot of it, but also which Sandman points you think he's talking about that's most relevant here. Because if you look at the entire history of the character. You know, he's been a criminal for so long, he brought a lot on himself, sure. But also at this point, what's more relevant to this moment here is him coming off of being a hero and him becoming a villain again because people, corny as it was, muddled with his mind directly, like shifted his personality forcibly and him trying to do it and him not being able to do it and even then like him trying to be an avenger and feeling slighted by captain america and you see the personal failings but you can also see the effort and like it may not be the most tragic because he definitely had some making in his own doing but it's more relatable for that Mm -hmm. because no one's perfect no one's doing the right thing every time but they're trying their damn best and sometimes you try and you try and you try and eventually you give up or fail because 
it feels like the only sane thing to do given the circumstances. And here he is, he's falling apart and all he wanted to try to do was do the right thing ultimately. And he was effectively punished for it. <laughs> Not, I mean, that's the thing though, is we've seen Spider-Man walk through all this. We've seen him be rewarded. We've seen him punished. We see like, ultimately it's a weird thing for the fact that we get X amount of Spider-Man comics every month, but he's always the hero in a way. It does come easy for him. It's his nature. And, it's interesting to see kind of the character positions and how that's affecting them narratively, but like how that affects how we can relate to him. And it's weird to me that in a way, the more relatable character here is Sandman than it is Peter Parker, even if Peter Parker is supposed to be down on his luck and having financial struggles. The fact that he's going out and doing all this when he should be focusing on himself by all rights is kind of an interesting contrast. Not that I think the story ever plays it fully. No, yeah, it 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 doesn't. You know, I think Sandman is presented as a foil for those exact reasons you, you mentioned. But like it, it, I mean, there's only so much you can do if you know. At this point, there, I think there's still 22 pages. Like you know, if you know, just just the one story. But you know, all those all those are good points, and I agree with them. Like you know, completely. Uh, the one one other thing I wanted to ask before we close out our conversation on this is we recently just had another quote-unquote death of Sandman issue that we covered on the Patreon and both of us were really high on that one issue we're talking about Spectacular Spider-Man 308 by uh, Chip Zdarsky and Chris Boccolo I had not read this prior to that um I mean have you read this story I I hadn't read this particular issue but I'd read issues around it and kind of knew a bit about it so Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is an interesting contrast where we just got a very similar Sandman death where he's falling apart. and Right. But um, I, I revisited that issue since I've read this. And, and like I've actually kind of like my opinion on it has cooled off a little bit. I, I mean, I still think in a vacuum it's a great story. But when we kind of look at the, the, hist- the history of Sandman as a character and as an arc, it, it seems a little strangely placed. And again, also rereading that comic, I, I, you know, a second time, I've kind of been able to piece it together a little bit better in its relationship with the next issue and the like immortal interdimensional Sandman. But the, the thing that really struck me is that Spider-Man and Sandman have like a heart to heart, kind of like they do here with a little less fisticuffs. And, you know, Sandman again kind of accuses Peter, like Peter mentions, like it feels really weird to do this with the masks on since we're having this human moment between each other. Like, I'll take my mask off, and then in Sandman says, like, no, like I, you know, I don't want to see what you look like because, because like I make myself feel better by pretending you're really ugly. So I think it, like it, it it plays into this like the the same kind of conversation about the insecurity here, but like Sandman also then tells a story about how he used to come to this beach and he really liked it, and like his mom would come out there too, and like his mom would day drink and eventually like she'd be so drunk they couldn't get home, which was a weird, you know. Now that we've kind of like gone through the Sandman history where like his mother has been like this Madonna figure almost, where like. Um, he's like, he wants to be good for his mother and like, he wants to be someone his mother would be proud of. So, uh, I I guess it's not without like reason to say that like, well, she would have also had her own issues, but 
that that seemed to be like just something that got put in there because it seemed like it it just it made it sound it made it sadder rather than being in line with what the character's history has been presented as and there is another issue in i think friendly neighborhood spider-man that peter david did that goes deeper into like the childhood of sandman and that's another one where i have not i have not read recently i have read it before but it's been so long i don't remember anything other than yeah that's where we get a little bit more confusion between what sandman's actual name is um between william blank and Fli- william blake and flint marco i guess that's a really long-winded way of me asking did this affect does this affect like your opinions on that chips darsky comic anyway it doesn't change my opinion on the Zdarsky comic where we talked about we really liked the first part and then the second part was a mess. So much. I'll say it. <laughs> I, I think you disliked it a little more than I did, but whatever. But to me, there's it, it's such a fascinating comparison because it's effectively the same story. A lot of the beats are very similar. What's interesting about the contrast, too, is the era of comics that they're coming from. The Zdarsky the one is the moment we're currently living in, where these stories have to be more compacted, and they have to relate to each other more, and they're more set pieces. Whereas the issue we're talking about here with the, also, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is part of a series, but aspects that affect this issue happened in various issues, but several issues back and has been kind of leading to this moment. And this has been kind of a B story that's been building. And this is when it gets to be, even as an A story, it's kind of a split comic because we spend so much time with Peter's home life. It's, it's very interesting for that. And what's fascinating to me is reading these now, I so much prefer this. I so much prefer the longer play and letting it be its moment when it's going to be its moment, but fitting in and around other things. So it feels more organic. Uh, I am just a bigger fan of serial storytelling in that structure. Whereas, whereas in a certain way, the spectacular Spider-Man Darcy, you know, is a serial comic, right? It comes out every month. The story continues. There's threads that get pulled through. It's less serial and that there's that ABC rotation that was being played during um, the era with uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man 22. And that's just a preference of mine. And I, the thing is, though, I like reading that now. If I was reading this in its day, I would have liked it less because this would have been playing off of things that I read in a comic darn near half a year ago. You know, it, these things are so much better when you can read them in big chunks and connect the dots. But when you're trying to string it along at, at that pace, it it, it works so much better to reread is what i'm trying to say well i mean i think we can both say at the end of the day both of those are good comics uh Sandman's had two good quote unquote deaths where he's better by the end of the issue <laughs> but um yeah yeah so all right let's let's rank this one um uh where, where, where do you want to where do you want to slap this one on the list well before that reissue or uh, untold well i i think we gotta we gotta reissue this one i disagree really yeah lay it on this because this is a weird thing this is this is dead continuity this story effectively didn't happen anymore because so many things have been retconned Mm -hmm. for at this point 
that it's it's weird though because i i think this is a darn good issue this is a good story but it's dead in the water as far as having any relevance to anything spider-man unless you're going to be an archivist and go through everything so i don't i i mean if you want to read good spider-man comics totally but if you care about like what's relevant this isn't that that's certainly fair and uh, you know I, I i do think some of our enjoyment comes from us specifically going through the history of sandman and creating an arc not to say that there isn't an arc but we're definitely taking issues and placing them in an arc of our own creation um you know turning this into one story rather than uh you know threads of plots that started in 1986 and here we are in 2000 later we're going to be here we are in 2000 i think three uh next uh, episode so you know yeah yeah part of part of the enjoyment comes from being able to to compact all of that and kind of unfold it uh as one story so i i I can see where you're coming from for sure yeah but ranking i don't know where would you want to put this on the list kane oh man um so i don't have to start god (laughs) you always do this to me you realize that like i'm always the one to it's my move (laughs) it's your power move man okay um super effective I'm going to put this one. I mean, this one's also going to be high on the list for me. I really like this issue. I thought it was I thought it was a great marriage of art and story. I felt like um, you know, the art really plays into the the pathos of the story and simi- similarly the story doesn't just dictate what the art does. You know, they kind of they're both able to tell their own story uh visually and the the sum is greater than the parts uh for it. So it, we've got good comic book storytelling. Uh, I really enjoy the art. I think the colors are great. They really pop. We don't talk about colors very often on the show because, I mean, they're colors. But, like, I, the, the colors just leap off the page for this for me. So to start, let's go off of our last episode because it's probably the most relatable to about where you want to put it. Right. I, Do you feel this is stronger or weaker than the uh, Sandman Silver Sable? I think team I think up it's stronger than the team. Up. I think it's I think it's I think it's stronger. Oof! I disagree on that. Well, <laughs> well there's well, the, I mean, I, I think I think we're also getting into like what I prefer in comics versus what you prefer in comics oh sure yeah we, we, and i'm not saying there's like a huge divide between us you know i feel like our tastes are similar enough that we've been able to sit through 27 or 26 uh, technically 27 uh episodes of a podcast technically like 50 well uh, well yeah there, there's also the v, the v stuff but i was talking about that the patreon exclusive uh untold talks of spider-man annual that we put oh, out oh man Y'all need to put down some money to grab that. <laughs> I mean, you can't say that you listen to our entire show if if you haven't also listened to the annual. <laughs> um, anyway, sidetracked. But like, uh, there, there's just there's just more pathos in this comic than there was in that uh, Sandman team up. And I really I, I really enjoy pathos in my comic books. And yeah, while that one was much more exciting, there was like almost like a a like slasher movie uh, element to how like the Sinister Syndicate just kept popping up and seemed to be unstoppable. Uh-huh. This one is just, I don't know. Just like I get 
Like, I get really excited for stories that handle their continuity well. And outside of not really talking about the, like, Marvel team-up stuff or, like, the the face turn explicitly, which at this point was, you know, a decade in the past, I felt like it, it did a good job of including all of the relevant aspects of continuity as of, like, 12 issues back for this the story so that you could really enjoy it on its own as just like a standalone story so it, it, it it's kind of got both those elements to, uh, of it to me and plus i also just really liked it so i think i would actually even put it above that who's that goblin i saw you with okay. and, and just and put it there just because it was just it was so enjoyable for me and there was just there were a lot of really fun moments with that, with with that salmon stuff, with him like reading a copy of Chicken Soup for the Criminally Insane, um, which you know, Chicken Soup for the X Y Z books were super popular back then. I like my mother seemed to collect them like I collected Pokemon cards. Um. <laughs> All right, I remember, I remember that moment yeah, yeah, in yeah. time. But like, I, I don't know. It was just, it was a really fun comic, and like, it's why, it's why I. I you know, like I enjoy Amazing Spider-Man. I I, I love Spider-Man, but like I don't, this is Peter Parker the spectacular. No, this Spider-Man. isn't spectacular. This is just Peter Parker colon Spider-Man. But or God, no, you're sorry. <laughs> I can never. Yeah, keep oh yeah, that it's straight. complicated. But anyway, but this is why I collect these side books. Is what what I was saying. Like I don't collect Amazing. Oh. I, I I collect the side books because those a lot of those stories are more exciting for me because they they do dive deeper into the characters and really flesh them out and that's what i'm looking for and like this this feels like a really well fleshed out story with like good character beats yeah no i mean this is more of a character story and there is a little bit of super heroics but they're not really i mean they altercate but they don't really like fight in a no, traditional no, I mean, sense yeah it's altercate i think is a good way to put it it's interesting. It's mostly to get them into a space where they're kind of in a black box so they can just talk mm-hmm. at one another in a in a creative way that more or less works. I still think it's a little... I, I'm happy to put it higher on the list. The reason that I personally like that uh, issue we did last time more is I felt we got a lot of... Not the same sort of thing, but we got a lot of character development. We did all that. Played through the action directly, which is a hard thing to pull off that you actually don't see as much as you'd expect in comics at that strength which is why i like that issue but you're saying you like this more than that goblin issue do you like it more than vibes uh, i don't care if you like it more than slayers, it's not <laughs> <one of those laughs> slayers. Uh, no I, i'd still put vibes above it just because vibes was just a i mean not only a good spider-man comic it was just a good comic this is a good spider-man comic this is not yeah. like this is not a comic i would like pass to someone like oh you've never read spider-man here read this uh, while vibes is like oh you've never read spider-man here read this and kind of understand what the character's about kind of like the same way i would do you know again talking about a modern comic that peter parker spectacular spider-man 310 the the chips darsky uh, you know one man show episode or issue also just a great comic book uh not just a great spider-man comic but like a great comic and a great way to show people like this is this is what like this is how a Spider-Man comic should read. This is this is like why I like Spider-Man. Same thing I would say about Vibes. So no, I would not put this above Vibes. All right. Well, now number five on our list is this Sandman death of Peter Parker's Spider-Man 22 with number one on our list being The Child Within 
and number last being Trouble because that comic is nothing <laughs> but Trouble. Well, uh, you know, let's let's go through the top five since we got a new top five. So we got the first one is The Child Within, and then the next or the first two chapters of the Spider Manga, which is issues one through six. Then we got Slingers. Then we got Vibes, which is, which is Amazing Spider-Man 505, I believe. And then this one, Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 22, The Days of Our Lives. Which now we're at a point where I think our top five is a list that represents the edict of our show. And is really, if you haven't read any of those, read them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Those, those are all pretty and deep cuts. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess you could argue that Vibes is not because the jms runs pretty well received but it's it's a deep cut within the jms run like it's it's anymore i mean to us it, it may seem more obvious but i mean there's a lot of people keep in mind after jms there's some stuff and then there is that and then there's a decade of slot and yeah others on the book but like that that's an older comic now and it's a single yeah, it's, issue it's, out there uh, i think there's a lot of people that right. haven't it's, touched I mean, that it's, one. it's getting close to 20 years old at this point so yeah i guess you're right uh it's it's a little uncomfortable now that we're um you know getting close oh yeah something that happened 20 years ago oh yeah i remember reading that like you know well within yeah when it came out <laughs> anyway all right well next up <laughs> yeah we're, we're old, old. <laughs> next up is the truly bizarre peter parker's spider-man 56 and 57 if you have not read those I <laughs> yeah, matt has like okay so yeah matt hasn't he sent me a like a text uh text picture of one panel from this comic which is like a fetus sandman and he's like i can't do this right now <laughs> 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 i can't read this right now like i mean it was like i think one in the morning so or at least it was for me um which is completely understandable yeah. that's not one you just like pick up like oh yeah it's just, you know wind down time read this no no it's, it's a weird one um but if you have not read it or in you don't have access to it at the very least just try to get some pictures on the internet of, in, of interiors you know the, it's pretty easy to find uh just because the art is so out there and so unlike it's it's the artist who did the max if you're familiar with the Ma- yeah yeah Sam yeah Keith. if you're familiar with that that's what it is and anyway so i'm really excited to cover it because it's a really weird story and then after that we're going to finish out the block with that amazing spider-man 615 and 616 which is kind of like what matt was referring to is kind of that the big old you know gauntlet uh, retcon where we, we take kind of the old spider-man cast and kind of and reinvent them and reestablish them post brand new day and kind of like this is what they're going to be from here on out so that's that's how we're we're closing out that's that sandman chapter and then after that we're going to be moving on to another block which i guess we'll be announcing next episode uh matt and i still need to finalize exactly what we're going to be covering but it's gonna be cool gonna be cool we got we got a solid mix so far of of potential stuff so keep tuned in for that speaking of tuning in i want to thank all of you guys for tuning into the show uh you can follow us on twitter and facebook for updates and more uh we also have a patreon as we mentioned earlier three dollars and 99 cents a month grants you access to our b title reviews the amazing spider talks amazing spider-man reviews the vip channel of our slack community and of course the untold talks of spider-man annual number one episode on the short halloween 
If you want even more goodies than that, if you are not sated yet, $10 a month gets you access to the Excelsior Club, which will grant you commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists twice a year. Uh, and that that's yeah yeah that's new art too so like that's dan goes out and uses his contacts within the spider community to talk with uh you know artists from spider-man's history and commissions art from them exclusively for the patreon uh people it's always good stuff but but can we commission dan for art can we commission Dan to do some art dan can art uh we we should ask him we should we should uh set up our own our own Patreon for for ten cents, we will get you exclusive Dan Gavazdin art. Um, Might have to up the price for postage, but yeah. All right, well, we'll float that idea by uh, by him. Anyway, all right, uh, and again, a special thanks to the Yellow Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from them, I recommend it. They're you know uh, Jeremiah is a great dude. Uh, you can check out our show notes and give them a listen. So, until Kane and I are living together as roommates and Kane names a moldy piece of cheese Kevin, make mine untold. <laughs> <laughs>